Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. As a companion piece to Cold Blooded, these are just some additional episodes to give you a greater insight into the crimes and lives of Private Carl Holton, alias Ricky Allen, and Elizabeth Baker, alias Georgina Grayson. The regular episodes of Murder Mile return at the end of January, with possibly a little surprise in between. Until then, thank you, Merry Christmas, and Happy New Year. Okay, folks, we're back. Let's continue with uh, uh, part two of Elizabeth's more accurate statement. So don't forget... um, We've just, uh, the car has just pulled up. Uh, George Heath's taxi has just pulled up not on the Great West Road, not too far outside uh, of the Chiswick Roundabout, which is where the Chiswick flyover is now. Uh, she said she's just heard Ricky pull out his gun and it go click. So he's he's pulled back the hammer. So let's finish that statement. Um Heath leaned over from his seat towards the middle of the car with the obvious intention of opening the near side back door for me to get out. Ricky was sitting to my right. Um, so he, so Ricky is behind the driver. Um, and as Heath was leaning over, I saw a flash and I heard a bang. I was surprised that there was not a loud bang because Ricky had told me it would make a big noise when it went off. Um, I was deafened in my right ear by the bang. Heath moaned slightly and turned a little towards his front. Ricky said to him, move over or I'll give you another dose of the same. I saw that he still had the automatic in his hand. Heath seemed to understand what Ricky said because he moved further over to the left hand side of the front seat until his. <coughs> we just open the next statement. Uh, number five. Sorry, there's a lot of statements. They're not on the same page, all on individual pages. So uh, uh, his shoulder was almost touching the near side of the door. Don't forget, um, um, these are kind of these aren't individual seats like we have in cars now. These are those long seats that you can sit two people on. Uh, the shoulder was almost touching the near side door. I heard him breathing very heavily and his head slumped onto his chest. The next I realised was that Ricky was in the driving seat and the car was moving. As we went over the bridge nearby, uh, nearby, Ricky told me. So there's no commas in this. It's really, it's really frustrating. As we went over the bridge nearby, Ricky told me uh, to tear down the back window blind to see if there was anyone following us. Now, just to point out, uh, because this is a blackout era, um, 
you tended to have a lot of your side windows and especially your back window blacked out. Um, that way that if you switch your light on or if you have to, your light doesn't escape because we're in blackout conditions. So um, I tore down the right corner down. I looked out and told Ricky that no one was following. Ricky then told me to go through Heath's pockets. I leaned over and heard his breath coming in short rasps. Uh, Ricky told me to look for his wallet in the breast pocket of his jacket. I felt in the pocket, but I did not find uh, the wallet. I f it's amazing that she doesn't have blood on her hands, given the fact that he was shot through the back and the blood was coming through the kind of the midsection of the front that had nicked his lung as well. So she would have had blood on her hands. Uh, Ricky told me to look for his uh, pocket. I felt in his pocket, but did not find his wallet. I found it instead in the left-hand outside pocket of his overcoat. It was a small folding wallet with a photograph inside and four one-pound notes in it. Four one-pound notes is probably barely about a hundred pounds, if that. Um, I put the wallet on the back seat. Uh, I then removed the papers and the a white book from his pockets. That is uh, his logbook. Uh, among these were his identi identity cards, from which I learned his name and his address. A checkbook with a blue cover, a driving license, a blue card, some petrol coupons. Um, don't forget it's wartime, so petrol is rationed at this point. Uh, and some photographs and letters. I also put this stuff on the seat by my side. From the trouser pocket, I took a pound in silver and a few pennies, which I put in my pocket. From the other pockets, I took a big brown fountain pen, a silver pen, a long silver cigarette case with a funny sliding action to open it. Um, uh, it was engraved 119 Regent Street W1, printed on the bottom side. Uh, it, an expensive looking lighter with a snap down action. I put all of these things in my pocket. Ricky then asked me if he's, Heath had a watch and I found a wristwatch on Heath's left wrist and I gave it to Ricky. I think I took everything from the pockets. All this time Ricky was driving fast along the road and I sat back examining the things I had taken from Heath's pockets. Don't, don't you think that she would be more upset having seen a man get shot if 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 she's being accurate here and she's she's like oh i'm really upset by this wouldn't you be in tears i i know i would be if 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 i hadn't intended someone to die uh ricky told me to put all of the valuable things which i thought he would want to keep in my pockets and put the other stuff on the back seat i did this and then he told me to look on the floor of the car with the torch that's george's torch to look for the bullet so that would be the bullet um it wouldn't be the casing of the bullet but it would be the bullet itself because it had gone through George Heath's back and his front. Um, I did this, but I did not find the bullet. Uh, Ricky drove until he turned off the main road and onto some sort of common. So this is Knowles Green. Uh, he drove onto the grass and stopped two or three yards from the ditch. He got out and dragged Heath's body from the car and rolled it into the ditch. Um, obviously, she's not mentioning here that she helped carry the body as well. Uh, he said, um, we know that two people carried the body because there would have been uh, heavier kind of grass stains underneath. There was kind of slight grass stains where he'd been put down and kind of moved a bit. But, you know, he he hadn't been, his clothes weren't all rucked up around him. Um uh 
He said there was blood on his hands and I gave him Heath's handkerchief to wipe it off. He then told me to pick up the papers and get into the front seat quickly. He told me to be careful of fingerprints at the same time. He turned the car right round and drove over the grass and eventually onto the road again. Um, Entirely missing there is the fact that, don't forget, the reason why we know what car it was was because they drove off onto the grass and then they tried to get back onto the road uh the car was really really struggling because the, the ground was boggy and it was kind of bouncing around and that's when the the handbrake spring came off as well and there were big clods of kind of grass stuck under the car as well after we got off the graph grass he told me to look for the bullet again uh, with the aid of heath's torch i found a bronze colored bullet on the floor by the near side door and i gave it to ricky after I found the bullet, Ricky told me to take over the wheel uh, and he he said he wanted to look at the things I had taken from Heath's pockets. I drove along and I noticed that there was no window in the offside door of the car uh, near the driving seat. Just going to change page. Um, bear with. Uh, as I drove, Ricky was examining the things from Heath's pockets and he threw the wallet and the papers out of the window as we went along. He threw the bullet away as we were driving along a wide road which had uh, something in it to separate the traffic going in the in the opposite direction. So that is the Great West Road. But the problem is the Great West Road is... The reason why it's called the Great West Road, it is, it is very long and it's very wide and it's, uh, yeah, very difficult. Very difficult to kind of find what they found we do we do know that, that as mentioned in the episode some things were found the wallet was found the kind of the uh some of uh, george heath's id but obviously the bullet is tiny and it would be mistaken for like just a bit of a bit of metal um just before we got to the roundabout near where ricky shot heath that's the chiswick roundabout i asked him where we had dumped the body and he said stains it wasn't actually stains um just it's not far from Staines though it's just outside the town of Staines uh, just before we got to the roundabout Ricky took the wheel and drove the car into the old Galmont car park behind Hammersmith Broadway we then went to the black and white cafe in Hammersmith Broadway see there she's able to identify exactly the name of of the um the cafe uh and had something to eat it was then about quarter to four in the morning there were quite a few number, quite a number of cab drivers in there, and I asked Ricky to ask one of, one of them to drive us home, but none of them would. Kind of quite lazy because it's only it's only about a five minute walk from there, so it's not like they're miles away from home. Uh, I should say that when we uh, put the car in the car park, we wiped everything inside and out the car with our handkerchiefs. See, being uh, forensically aware. Uh, making sure that there were no fingerprints in there. So on both counts, quite cruel and kind of cunning, really. They're not really thinking at no point. You'll see this with Carl's statements as well. So I'm not just having to go at Elizabeth, uh, uh, Georgie. At no point do they ever go, do you know, the poor gentleman, do you know, he was shot. I really, really worried for his family and stuff like that. It's it's all about them. It's all incredibly selfish on both parts. So, uh, yeah. <coughs> Um, after leaving the car we walked home when we got indoors I said he's dead isn't he and Ricky said yes 
I said, that's cold-blooded murder then. How could you do it? And he said, people in my profession haven't the time to think what, what they do. Did that really happen? We we don't know. But obviously that could be an embellishment of hers to kind of... this is That's the kind of the only hint of remorse that's in, that's in her whole statement. Uh, indoors we examined all of Heath's things we had taken from him and then went to bed. See, that I, I think that is nearer to who she really is. Uh, next day... This was a Saturday. We got up at 10 to 11 in the morning. Ricky went out and he picked up Heath's things uh, and then took them with him. He came back at 2.45pm and told me he sold the wristlet watch to a barber next door to the cafe in Hammersmith Broadway. He then told me to hurry up as we were going to the dogs. That's a dog track over at White City. Uh, When we got downstairs, I saw Lenny, that's Len Bexley, uh, and the three of us went to the White City Stadium. Uh, after one or two races, I offered Lenny a cigarette. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. I knew that cough was coming. <coughs> uh, and whilst I was feeling for my lighter, he took one from his own pocket. Uh, and I saw clearly that it was the one that I found in Heath's clothes. I'm sure he had not hand. Hang on. I am sure he did not hand the lighter to Ricky. Sorry. Uh, after racing uh, we left Lenny in the Broadway and we went to Victoria where we had some food and then we went to the cinema to watch Christmas Holiday Um, he i.e. Ricky saw me home that night and left me at about 10.30pm saying he was going to Victoria to get a hotel room the reason for this was because he could not stop in my room that night because my landlady was being home all day on Sunday I stayed in all day until about 8.30pm when I went out to buy some cigarettes. I could not get any, get any in the black and white railway station. Sorry, I could not get any in the black and white cafe. I walked over to the public house next to the Metropolitan Railway Station and saw an RAF man going into the public house. Now, I, I entirely missed this out of the episode uh, because it kind of slowed everything down. It really wasn't that important, but it's kind of interesting to get a perspective on georgie here i asked him to get me 20 player cigarettes uh, don't forget this is i think i mentioned this an extra mile we're still in an era here where women aren't allowed to go into public houses alone they have to be accompanied by men it was still that way up until kind of uh, early to mid 1970s um he said that he would come out uh this is the RAF man he said that he would and came out and said he couldn't get any he suggested that we go to another public house nearby and invited me to have a drink we went into the bar and had two beers and brought some cigarettes and then we went to another public house and had some more drinks that sounds lovely um at 10 at 10 p.m he asked me if he could walk me home and i said yeah uh, i took him up to my room saucy uh, whilst i was in my room he asked me what what was worrying me and i told him about the murder as you do um his name i i said i told him that i had been with a man who had shot a fellow and that his name was george heath of kennington uh, george heath had id on him which stated that his address was kennington but he no longer lived in kennington um he asked me what was the motive i said robbery and asked him what i should do about it see this is the same thing as before with uh, uh harry kimber where when she finds a father figure and she kind of needs advice there or or is it we don't know 
Um, he said, do as your conscience guides you. Uh, so I asked what I should do if my conscience said nothing. That is just, I mean, that's just objectionable here. It's like someone has been murdered and he says, do what your conscience guides you to do. And she goes, mm, I don't really have a conscience. I think that says a lot. Um, I'm just going to change page. He asked me uh, if I thought, bear with, page seven, two more pages to go. I hope you're all okay there. Uh, he asked me um, that I ought to tell the police about Ricky and said, I don't know what to do because I'm frightened. He said, would you like me to do something for you, uh, such as to go to the police? And I said, no. He said, if there is anything you need me to do, write to me. And he gave me his name and address. I wrote his name and address on, the, on a piece of paper, which I hand to you. Uh, it wasn't released... What was the name of that RAF officer? Or if it was, it wasn't in the file I had. Uh, I then heard a whistle in the street, which I recognised as as Ricky. Uh, I told Mac, so that is the name of the, uh, the RAF officer. I told Mac who he was um, and went down to the street door and let Ricky in. I told him I had a friend in my room and he and he became jealous. So I told him that my friend had been, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> I told him that my friend had been sent up to me by my people in Wales. He believed that. Ricky sat on the stairs, and as Mac came out of my room, I introduced them. Before Mac left my room, I told Ricky, um, I told him Ricky was the man who had shot Heath. Ricky and I then went around to the car park, and I saw the Ford V8 there. Ricky said, um, It's all right. Uh, we have no need to worry. There's nothing in the papers and the new, and the police have not found the body yet. Um, actually, they had. Um, on seeing the car, we were both reassured and went to Reading in it. Ricky said, we'll go and see if, if we can find a girl meaning to steal from her. I asked him if he was going uh, to use the gun and he said no. Uh, he couldn't see anything at Reading and we rode around for about an hour. We went to sleep in the car and when we woke up uh, in the back of the car and when we woke up we were in the back of the car park where he took two five gallon tins of petrol from an American truck which was parked there. American soldiers were asleep on the trucks. He put the petrol in the car and left the two tins in the garage. He told me to tear off the blind of the back of the car and to wipe off, wipe off all the fingerprints. Uh, then we drove to Piccadilly and saw a prostitute wearing a fur coat, which seemed to attract Ricky's eye. Now, don't forget, this is the uh, prostitute that they went hunting for afterwards. Although, again, it was Ricky who said that uh, it was Georgie who was saying, we're, we're going to find a prostitute and we're going we're gonna to do her in. Uh, obviously, she doesn't say that here. Uh, he said, "I'll get the girl and get her coat." Uh, there was a put, but there was a policeman standing near, so we prowled around and around. Uh, we gave some soldiers a lift from one place to another during the night. We returned to Piccadilly to try and pick up the prostitute with the fur coat, and Ricky was disappointed because he saw her walking off with an American soldier. We got back to Wood Lane in Shepherd's Bush at about seven o'clock in the morning and went to the cafe and had some eats. We left the car outside the cafe, which was near Wormwood Scrubs. Uh, he then drove me home and on the way he asked me to go to Reading with him 
and said he would teach me to shoot. I didn't want to go and he became mad. He drove the car to the uh, first turning past my house and parked it behind the air raid shelter. It was then about 7.30 in the morning and I went up to my room and slept until about uh, 20 to 2. Then he went out and promised to call me uh, at about 5.30. Just after he left, I saw him drive past the house in the car and I have not seen him since. During that week, Ricky was with me. He told me of several jobs he'd done in Hammersmith and Shepherd's Bush. He said he'd broken into an off-license or public house in Hammersmith. I think it was the Hope. He said he got uh, £50 or over there. I'm just going to change page. This is the final page of, of this statement. Uh, bear with. This is la so last paragraph. Uh, he said that uh, so, so that was on the Wednesday last week that he'd broken into a jeweler's shop in King Street and on another occasion a gown shop called Richards or Richardson in King Street. A cafe in Shepherd's Bush, a greengrocer's, a pawn shop, not not that kind of pawn shop, uh, or several or a second hand shop. He also told me that he'd broken into several public houses in the Reading district and had shot an American soldier who I think he said he had drowned. Uh, another thing he said uh, was that he'd killed a man and a woman with a gun in the West End. Ricky never gave me any money except uh, when he went to the dogs on Saturday. He then let me bet with his money and kept the winnings. In this way, I, I got £7. So that is the end of that statement, which was uh, given to Divisional Detective Inspector Albert Tansel. Um, who was the investigator on that so folks so folks um next up we'll do uh we'll do ricky's statement so i hope you're enjoying these i'm trying to trying to keep them as as consistent as possible up to about 20 minutes maximum god i hope my throat lasts for the rest of this my throat is absolutely red raw now uh not not used to talking this much i normally just sit here quietly by myself and get ignored and then get shouted at by eva so we'll do ricky's statements very shortly i might have a cup of tea in between and do you know what i've got here i've got a uh i've, I've just had a belgian bun because i deserve one and i've got a rock cake as well oh my god that's good anyway uh thank you very much for listening to and supporting the show and i hope you enjoy these these extra pieces that are coming out so thank you for supporting the show have a good week lots of love everyone bye bye hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.